Did you know that in 2021, 25% of Canadians and 57% of Americans reported having more mental stress than last year? Stress affects focus, decision-making, follow-through, and ability to see the forest for the trees. Let's bring some calm and order into our lives, shall we? Productivity Toolkit 2022 to the rescue. Our toolkit can bring you a breath of fresh air for better focus, help you organize, and get systematic. You get 12 actionable templates to use immediately, and you're invited to quarterly workshops about how to apply each tool now. With the 2022 Productivity Toolkit, you get 24-7 access to all the templates and tips on how to use them. This year, I divided the toolkit into four key themes focused on systems. Power of one, power of two, power of team, and the power of scale. I know you will love them. Here's what one customer had to say about last year's toolkit. I thoroughly enjoy your productivity tutorial sessions. They help me bring a lot of improvement to my daily routine. I use some of these tips and the templates with my staff, and we are all the better for it. So get in on the VIP advanced launch by heading over to shiftworkplace.co slash productivity tools. That's shiftworkplace.co slash productivity tools. Hello, Culture and Leadership Connections podcast listeners. Today, I'm really happy to introduce to you Yadi Caro, who was born and raised in Puerto Rico. She started her career as a journalist and editor focused on Latin American affairs and Hispanics in the United States. After a few years, she transitioned to communications consulting and has been working since then in the defense sector. Her skills in communication strategy and management led her to a career in information technology, where she works with customers to define the best tools they can use and software developers to build great products. Along the way, she's attained a lot of certifications and also is working on organizational behavior graduate student work at Harvard. And as part of her learning journey, she has created a podcast, which I really love, called the Hardcore Soft Skills Podcast, where she speaks with experts on the specific soft skills needed to make things happen for career success. She is a mom of two boys aged eight and three and loves to travel and has been, in fact, to 32 countries so far. Welcome, Yeti. So nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. And thank you for the kind words about the podcast. I listen to your podcast as well. And I really enjoy the conversations that you have. You know, I am reading a book now called Show Your Work. I don't know if you've seen that book before, but in the Show Your Work book, they talk about how important it is for people who are like-minded to actually create genius, which is for it to create a scene of a group of people who mm-hmm. create genius because they are in the zone together and they stay in touch with each other. And oh, I was I thinking, I know, I love it too. And when <laughs> I was hearing that on the audio version of the book, I was thinking, oh, Yadi would be a good person to add to my seniors list that I need to start and interact with because your podcast has so many things that link to mine. You know, like we have similar but different topics and guests, but relating to this whole process of leadership and career success. Yeah, I would love to be part of your circle. So absolutely. Yes, <laughs> I love that concept. <laughs> All right, we're in. <laughs> We'll be the first two members and we'll add more in later. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do from outside of the formal bio. Well, yeah. So one thing that you've already mentioned in the introduction, yes, I'm from Puerto Rico and uh, I was born and raised there. And when I moved from Puerto Rico to start my graduate studies uh, over in Florida, where a lot of Puerto Ricans moved to, and I've 
kind of always pursued things that interest me. So I started as a journalist and that helped me a lot to kind of get out of my shell because I was always a very shy person. And then I had the opportunity to transition to work into more an international magazine, which was actually a military magazine. And that's how I enter into the world of working with the military, the U.S. Department of Defense. And I've been working with them for the past 10 years. I've never been in the military, but I've been working with them and I really enjoy that. And currently I'm actually living in Germany, but I'm interestingly moving back to Florida. So it will be a very interesting transition because I've been living here for six years uh, with my family and it will be kind of a acculturation back to the life in the United States. So yeah, it's uh, very interesting. And as you mentioned, I post a podcast and I've always been interested in human behavior and management. So I've tried to combine my interest in management, human behavior, as well as uh, work with customers and in the tech world. So I'm being trying to find like a synergy among all those fields. That's great. You may want to rethink the idea of going to Florida because they're having so many issues with climate change, with flooding and things like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah. it's a beautiful place, that's for sure. Yes, and the intent was more being closer to the family because a lot of my family and my husband's family, they're in either Florida or the East Coast of the United States. And my parents are in Puerto Rico. So we've just been wanting to kind of uh, being closer to the family. And as a Hispanic person, it's very important for us to be closer to the family. Oh, yeah. When you have children, you realize how important it is to have family around, don't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A support group is so essential because it's very difficult here with the language barrier. My kids have acclimated here. My son speaks fluent German. It's great. But for me and for my husband has been a little bit difficult. Mm. Well, it takes courage to move to another country, especially with children. And you learn a lot, but it's not an easy process, is it? No, absolutely not. And it just getting used to the culture here. And we live in the south of Germany. And even from what we hear, the south of Germany is different from the rest of the country. Um, but also, and what we like, though, is having given our kids the international experience. And we've been able to travel to many places from here throughout Europe. And that was the intent of moving here. We were like, well, this a good opportunity, a job opportunity came in for me. And aside from, although I'm working with the U.S. military um, here, it does give us the opportunity to interact with the local culture and get to know Europe more. So we've been traveling a lot and giving our kids that experience and a taste of the world a little bit. Wow, that's great. So speaking of family and traveling and all those things we were just discussing, can you share a couple of incidents from your childhood that you think made you into the person you are today? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, no specific incidents, but just recalling when I was a child, uh, I was always a very shy person and I consider myself an introvert. I remember in kindergarten, for example, I didn't have any friends because I didn't dare to speak to anybody. So my mom will come in. My mom is a teacher and she was working in another school. So she would come in um, every day at lunchtime to hang out with me because I she didn't want to leave me alone because she knew I didn't have any friends. So that was, uh, I remember that. And I always remember kind of 
growing up, I, I eventually started coming out of my shell a little bit. Uh, but middle school was difficult because I was extremely shy. And after I left high school and in the university, my first step has always been kind of getting farther away from home. So first of all, when I went to my do my bachelor's degree, I moved away from home. I was only two hours away, but it, in a small island, it just seemed so far. Um, so I moved to the University of Puerto Rico, uh, to the metropolitan area. And that kind of helped me really get out of my shell and not reinvent myself, but just kind of really discover who I was and kind of fend for myself without that having my parents or my sister there. And then after graduating, I moved to Florida and then I had to live by myself. So all these things I've always wanted to get out of my shell. And now I've made an effort to speak to more people and kind of break from that shyness factor that I've always had. So pursuing journalism, for example, was another thing that helped me out a lot because I really needed to speak to cold call uh, people looking for sources. So I think that really shaped the way who I was of that paralyzing anxiety that I felt as a child was not a good feeling. And I wanted to get out of that. So I think my career helped me with that. What's interesting about that is many people who are shy don't go out of their way to go and do what feels very uncomfortable. And you did from the time you could start to think about it. You know, you started to move in a way that would allow you to move past shyness. What do you think was the impetus for that? You, I mean, you said it paralyzing yeah. anxiety, but people stay paralyzed in anxiety for years and it doesn't necessarily motivate <laughs> them to move out. What, how did, what was the impetus for that change? Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I think it may have been the influence of having uh, of my family, or I guess my my family was always very supportive uh, with me and I've never had an issue in school. I was always kind of like good grades and all that stuff. I've always had the desire, but I guess uh, I was able to break away from that once I started experiencing having friends who were not as shy um, in high school as I started having friends. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it was mostly the support of my family, uh, particularly my sister to kind of help me out and take me out with her, with some of her friends and things like that. And kind of, it offered me the opportunity to see how fun it was to go out and do things and, and just talk to people. So I think it helped me to break from that, the support of my family. Hmm. Yeah, family is a recurring theme with support and with being some a group that you can fall back on when you need to. But then you also realize that you needed to move away from the family support for a while so you could develop your own sense of interdependence, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've always been very ambitious in the sense that I've wanted to achieve certain things. I knew I wanted to, for example, study in a good school or just uh, achieve certain careers and I've always been intrigued by journalism. So I knew that in order to get to that, I will have to break away from my pattern of being shy and not use that as a quote unquote excuse. So I think my drive as a to achieve things, the type A personality, I guess, that I, I was or am um, kind of helped me as well. Yeah, that's probably what was the motivator was that you had this desire to achieve and you realized what you needed to do to get there. So you just did it, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I'll always be trying to achieve more. <laughs> so it's always, I've always had this sort of personality and helped me overcome a lot of the obstacles that I've had in terms of uh, my own limitations, I guess. Hmm. But also there are gifts with being shy because you're sensitive to the environment. You listen intensely, you observe. All those kinds of things are necessary if you're going to be a good journalist. Yes, absolutely. And I think 
being shy really helped me because I feel a lot of empathy in terms of trying to be inclusive when it either comes to meetings or seeking out the opinions of others. So understanding that some people overtake conversation or a meeting or something along those lines, I've always tried to be inclusive and try to find those people that may not be just willing to talk or try to feel at least everybody comfortable. That's always something very significant for me that I want to make sure that everybody in a room feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. That's definitely an important gift to bring to any group. So speaking of groups, the groups that you were born into, so Puerto Rican culture would be one and your family for sure, but there may be other groups that you were born into, you know, could be a region can be your religious group that you're either in or surrounds you, can be language groups that you were born into. What would you say has influenced your sense of culture and self right now? Yeah, that's interesting because the farther I moved from home, it kind of brought me into different circles. So for example, as I moved from my hometown in Puerto Rico to the metropolitan area, kind of put me into, oh, I'm not from metropolitan area. I kind of feel identified with a more... Um, not countryside, um, but I, I felt some identity with that. Once I moved to Florida and I went to this master's program that it was specifically for Hispanic journalists. And we all felt this sense of commonality within journalism of we're all Hispanic. I was very involved with the Hispanic journalism and associations. And even when I started my career in journalism, it was specifically for Spanish language newspaper within the English language paper was launching. So we've always had this, we're all Hispanic, regardless of the country we're from, Colombia, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, whatever. We had this uh, kind of sense of identity. And then now that I'm here in Germany, I feel more like I'm representing Americans overall. So it, it grows into American and I'm representing all other Americans here. So it's interesting, those interactions. So the farther I move from home, the kind of I identify more with different groups. Right. But I'm interested in specific incidents. So what is it about being Hispanic? What is it about Puerto Rico that you identify with? You know, maybe yeah. it could also be part of, you know, a lot of uh, women I've interviewed had said being part of a sisterhood that they grew into from the time they were young was really important. So I want to know about those groups that influenced you and incidents around them. Yes. So being Puerto Rican and Hispanic overall is that sense of community and that sense of talking to a very family-oriented culture that we have and that have influenced me the way I grew up. My husband, for example, is non-Hispanic. And it's funny that, for example, um, I will talk to my sister or my mom like almost every day or every other day or try to see uh, others often. So knowing that in his upbringing, he saw his family. I don't know, in the holidays or talk to them once in a while. I was, it was very odd for me to find that. And as a professional woman, I like that you mentioned sisterhood because I've had always surrounded myself with other professional women that we've always strived to achieve success in our careers. And it's always been very great to have those successful women to look up to and 
that we support each other, whatever we are, whatever field we are, it helps us kind of, or it helps me at least um, to be able to succeed because I work in a world where most of the people are men. So it's very important to be assertive and to kind of not feel intimidated. And it's always good to have this group of friends that kind of trust you and trust that you can achieve many things. So would you say that comes from your experience with having a close relationship with your sister and your mother? Yeah, that too. And although as I came here to the United States, I created a great group of friends of all professional women. Right, But you keep defaulting to where you are now, but I want to know about where you came from. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You keep going into this is where I am now, but I'm not there yet. I really want to know what influenced you, what created your sense of who you were, right? So when Mm -hmm. I was growing up, I felt really isolated because I was the only family I knew that didn't have relatives around us, right? I grew Mm -hmm. up in this really nuclear situation. And so that really influenced the way that I developed later, right? Seeking Mm -hmm. family, seeking community. So what I'm trying to find that some of something like that from you about what's influenced. It could be like another person I interviewed grew up playing football all the time with all his cousins, right? Mm -hmm. Twice a week, they were out there playing with, there's like 35 of them all playing football together. And that sort of sense of um, sport together as a family was really foundational for him. So that's what I'm asking is those early few years that you were born into those groups. So, yeah, so I grew up basically um, in a close family. And although what for me right now, what I'm trying to recall is, for example, seeing my mom was a working mom and but at the same time, there was a, a certain expected roles of women to in the society in a Hispanic or, or any society, I guess, for aside from, yes, you work, but you also have to keep the house the and work from home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And I think that really shaped the way that I didn't want it to have that particular. I didn't see it necessarily as something positive that, for example, I see the men. Yes, they are able to work. But at the same time, they have the woman to keep the house. I, I've always questioned that role as like, wait, wait a minute. We're, my parents are both working. Why, why is my mom have to be, you know, serving the food or things along those lines? So I've always wanted to have some sort of equal partnership. And I think that kind of helps shape the way I have my family now in terms of that. I truly believe that we, myself and my husband, really have a kind of equal partnership. He's actually a stay-at-home dad at this time. So I've, that kind of shaped the way I I saw the world because I've always questioned, yes, if women can work, but also why do they have to keep this kind of role of being the keeper of the house and that sort of thing. So it was a good upbringing that I have, not saying anything necessarily negative. It was just a matter of that I've always questioned if we have a society that wants to be equal, why do the women always have to be relegated to the supporter of the house when we can have a truly equal partnership? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You wanted to see everybody contributing equally and fairly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then you chose to belong to journalism groups, but you stayed still within Hispanic language um, mm-hmm. and Hispanic issues. So that's kind of like a crossover. Journalism would have been new. And that would have been a new group with new um, cultural norms. But then you had the familiarity of the language in common. So I'm just wondering from the groups that you chose to belong to, what would you say you've adopted into your leadership style? And maybe there's also a crossover from what you brought into them. Yeah, I'm trying to think if how he's been a Hispanic um, 
influence my leadership style because I've always inclusivity yeah exactly yeah inclusivity certainly um being able to kind of respect everybody's views because even being Hispanic is so diverse within the Hispanic community of course so yeah inclusivity being welcoming being um that kind of helps shape I guess the leadership style I have right now yeah so you would have brought that in but then journalism has its own culture People can move from one country to another as journalists. They'll still understand each other. They'll have a similar, this is how we do things around here idea. There will be some things that are different, but what about journalism culture has influenced you? As a journalist, yes. Something that will describe the overall journalist community is skepticism in a way, Mm -hmm. or trying to find the real reason of things and asking a lot of questions. And even right now, as I find myself in any meeting, I'm always putting the journalism hat into asking a lot of questions. Why? A, a lot of whys. Um, a lot of trying to find like, what's the real story here? That sort of thing. So I think that's something that definitely I got from being part of the journalism community, having that curiosity and not just taking things as they are. It's always wondering what's behind something and seeking also to talk to people or just to talk to more people or try to find the right sources, so to speak. So I think that's something that kind of every journalist shares in terms of trying to find the the good story of having that curiosity for finding the real reason of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you don't think you had that before? Before becoming a journalist? Yeah. I did in a way, but I think it helped me cultivate that without fear as I became a journalist and realizing that if I don't have the story, nothing's going to be published and I'm going to be fired. (laughs) So Mm. it kind of forced me into, I need to lose my fear of being shy, need to make some calls and make sure that the information I publish is accurate because you would get calls as a journalist saying, wait, I didn't say that, or you misconstrued my words or things along those lines. So it's always important to have backup information to make sure that you really got the right details and to form that story. So that kind of helped me cultivate that more because I had the curiosity, but what I lacked was the actual courage to ask those questions. And I think it really helped me with that. Mm-hmm. So my next question is about the difference between temperament and personality, temperament being what you're born with and personality you've added on as you went through life experiences and education and shaped yourself. And so I think from what you've been saying so far, really the predominant aspect of your temperament was to be very introverted, but you also had this desire to learn and you were really curious. And then that pushed you into being more courageous, almost like a journalist has to be almost confrontational, but also very rigorous. Like those things for sure you would have added on. But what else? Oh, organizational skills, certainly. (laughs) Since I was a little kid, I've always been very disciplined. I always had the good grades and all that. So I think that has helped me as well, being able to achieve many things and multitask. (laughs) And like, for example, having my being a mom right now and having the podcast and having the full-time job, if I didn't have that particular discipline early on and cultivated that throughout growing up, it would have been difficult for me to complete a lot of the things that I'm doing right now. So I think I had as part of my either just something that I grew up with um, that it's not necessarily sure about all the members of my family is that um, that kind of discipline and organizational skills, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you started out that way and then you added on. Let's go to Germany, right? Is there something from Germany that you think you've adopted into your culture? I know I've lived in different countries and there were pieces that I took with me that I continued. Yes, that's a good question because we're getting ready to move back to the States. Our main fear is when we say, oh, we would like to keep this kind of European culture. And when we say that, it, we specifically mean like, for example, here, it's a great sense of you know, on Sundays, everything is closed. There's no store open, only a few. And people just go out and walk with their families. And just having that as a person who always being go, go, go with things, just having that ability to, hey, on Sundays, on the weekends, let's just relax, go to the park, do something, enjoy the outdoors. So just that stepping back, that's something that I'm fearing that in the American culture sometimes is not necessarily that we have. So I think that's something that I will certainly take with me and that I hope to continue implementing is just the ability to step back. And if you say you're on vacation, you're truly on vacation, nobody should bother you or give you a call or things along those lines. So that's something that I really like about this culture. Mm-hmm. Something that they do in Germany, which is probably every country in the world should adopt is to give people two weeks of health break and two weeks of vacation. And health break means, you know, massage, spa, sport training, going for complimentary health things and places and and it just for people's well-being. And probably since you're working for a U.S. organization, you're not getting that. It's attention to well-being that's similar to what you're talking about, taking the Sunday and just being with your family or just enjoying the downtime. That sense of well-being, it's throughout Europe, but in Germany, they've kind of put it into the structure of things. Yeah, that's very nice. And yes, as you say, unfortunately, I don't have that. What we've been trying at least to work uh, within, I guess, the system I'm working with is because everything seems so accessible here in Europe. We can travel. So let's say if I don't have enough vacation time, I will go like uh, on a Friday and to Sunday. Let's let's go to a country. Let's go to Italy this weekend. Sure. So and we'll do that and and just making a deliberate effort to just take time with the family. So either just be outside and enjoy ourselves is something that we certainly need and I want to keep as I go back to the states. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although you can't go so easily from one country to the next, you could probably go from one state or even to other cities when you come back. Uh, yeah. yeah. Something <laughs> else about German culture that I know is this ability to hone in on doing a job right and telling people if they've made a mistake very clearly what the mistake is in great detail. Now, I don't know if you've experienced that when you've been living in Germany, but that is certainly not something people in North America typically look for. If they've made a mistake, they might want to know about it in very brief form. They don't want, you know, a 15 minute explanation of why they made the mistake. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Did you run across that at all? I did not. I didn't uh, in that. What I did run across and now mentioning that is that it's interesting that, for example, you know, in the, in the United States, we like, to say hello in the mornings or just talk to make small talk with people. And something that I've learned here in Germany is that they don't like small talk and it's, they see it as something super, uh, very superficial. And that it's like, why would I have a small talk with a person for a brief period of time? If I'm going to talk to a person, I'm really going to talk to that person. So it's interesting how we see it as, 
oh, that must be, they're very rude because they don't make small talk. But at the same time is, well, if you want to have a conversation, you just don't say, you know, how are you doing? Oh, fine. And really continue on. You should really have a conversation with that person. So that's something that's interesting from here that I found uh, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The more you experience something different, the more you discover where your own affinities lie or where your own experience lies. You find out what's familiar to you by finding out what's unfamiliar to you at the same time. (laughs) Yes, yes. So I'm sure you've experienced this quite a few times, but can you recall a time when you were aware that your cultural understanding was specific to your culture and not just normal? Uh, Yes. Um, The example, uh, when I talked before a little bit about when coming to the United States and realizing that not everybody talks to their mom or their sisters for every day. (laughs) So that's something, or even like every week or something along those lines, that was something that I was kind of very interesting for me to realize like, oh, do you only talk to your family for, you know, every Christmas or something like that during the holidays? So that was something that I thought it was particularly different. Um, I knew coming here to Europe would be different in terms of good mornings to the people uh, or or just making small talk. That was another big thing. Yeah, I guess those were the main things when it was the shock of moving from Puerto Rico to the United States and just that uh, the way the, the relations with the family was the biggest uh, shock for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're reaching the end of the interview, and I'm wondering when people hire you for something, which they do quite regularly, what are some tips that you could give to an employer on the best way to work with Yeti? So, you know, what brings out the best in you? Yes. So if somebody's hiring me for a particular role and it's to give me the freedom to do a project, then don't necessarily tell me the way to do it. Just trust that I will get it achieved in a specific, uh, in my own specific way, or give me the freedom to kind of design either a program or something like that. And I've been very fortunate to be able to have worked with new projects where we've been able to have that freedom to make it whatever we'd like and work within our own constraints. So that's something as a supervisor and as a colleague, I really enjoyed working with people that like to get things done to solve a problem and move on to the next problem. So just people that are very um, focused um, on getting the results and working together with the group to get there. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to promote? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the podcast that you mentioned earlier, so it's called Hardcore Soft Skills. And in each episode, what I've been trying to focus is uh, talk about specific quote unquote soft skill, because uh, as you know that the soft skills are very difficult that what the people call the soft skills are that are the non-technical skills like negotiation, communication, teamwork, and all those things really do provide the success for any project, regardless of the field. And what I've intended with that podcast is bringing experts, a lot of great authors and internationally recognized people to talk about that specific skill and give um, ideas to the people of how to really develop those. So you can listen to it on the, any podcast app or the website, hardcoresoftskillspodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hardcore Soft Skills Podcast. It's a great name and uh, easy to remember too. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Um, no, I think this um, just overall, it's it's great to talk with you and and to think about these things about the um, how culture uh, and our upbringing shape us. So this has been a really great and interesting conversation. Well, oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did too.
Thank you so much for joining us today. And the information um, that you have shared is going to be in the show notes. So people can look you up and um, listen to more episodes of your podcast and have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Yadi Karo has combined her natural affinities of introversion with a deep curiosity about cultures, peoples, and the tech world. Interestingly, she combined these passions together, working as an Hispanic journalist in the U.S. defense sector. I enjoyed Yadi's relentless pursuit to understand human behavior and her willingness to experience it personally as she immigrated and traveled to other countries. Her focus on helping others feel they belong and are part of the family does not stop her from asking the hard questions and making sure people's stories measure up to the facts. Make sure you have a listen to her podcast with a memorable name, Hardcore Soft Skills Podcast. I certainly enjoy listening to it and consider Yadi a valued member of my podcast community. Thank you for listening, for sharing the episodes you like with a friend or colleague, and for rating the podcast at lovethepodcast.com slash culture and leadership connections. May culture and leadership connections continue to guide and inspire your day. This podcast would not be possible without the expertise of our Culture and Leadership Connections production team. A big thank you and shout out to Mike Kurlander for audio production and editing. To Malvika Kathpal for the show notes. Bernadette Guadiz for online web and social media management and promotions. Celine Bayogo for design. And Kirsten Hoyer for website and branding. Thank you so much.